What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here on Bible with Bordeaux. Thank you for joining me. I am Jason Bordeaux, your humble host, and we are in the middle of the study of James. Today, we're going to be covering the verses 16 through hopefully 21. Uh, we try to cover a good amount as much as we can, but I don't want to give you too much and skip over uh, things and brush over too much. So we want to dive in a little bit deeper instead of just brushing over surface level things. So we're going to go ahead and dive into uh, the reading. But first, I do want to let you know we're going to be talking about the difference in how last week in the last episode we talked about how everything that's sinful and bad and those temptations of our uh, sinful desire come from within ourselves. And how every good thing comes from God. We're also going to be talking about the uh, being slow to speak and slow to anger. And just quick to hear, you know. Those are the, some, some important everyday things we can always put into effect. And again, James is like the Proverbs of the New Testament. So there's a lot of wisdom here that is shared. So let's go ahead and read this real quick in the ESV. So starting with James 1.16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. A lot of stuff there. A lot of stuff. Again, James, he just packs a punch with almost every verse. Half of this book are do's and do nots. It's, it's, a, it's a good book of wisdom. So, Oh, sorry, I did the intro again. <laughs> My bad. So, um, so you know, in, in previously, we talked about our sinful nature, our sinful selves, and how that came from Adam, uh, from the kind of the representation of all mankind. Now, James then lets us know that every good and perfect gift comes down from God. And we see that contrasting between this and uh, the previous men mentions about our temptation. And our temptations come from our flesh, but anything that's good comes from our Heavenly Father. Now, God never shifting a shadow in verse 17 can be tied to us not wavering in verse 6. So we can look at verse 6 real quick on this. And let me scroll down. So in verse 6, he said, But let... Uh, let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So what James is, he's kind of just touching base on that again. And so, but God doesn't change, right? He doesn't change his standards. He doesn't change his principles. And, you know, the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. And so he, he doesn't cast a shifting shadow because his light never moves. And so uh, 
the the truth of God is like a lamp to our feet. Like there's a lot of uh, comparisons to light and truth. And in verse 18, James says that God chose to give us his true word. Now, Jesus says in John 8, 12, let's bring that up. Jesus says, uh, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the truth is found in Jesus, right? In his words, in his life. And truth leads to life. And not only was Jesus the light of truth, but he was also the seed by which we are the first fruits mentioned in verse 18. So in 1 Corinthians 15, let's go there real quick. Paul says, and again, this is ESV, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as a man came death, or as by a man came death, by a man has come also to resurrection to the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all or shall all be made alive. But in each but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. And so essentially Christ rising from the dead is showing that we will also rise. Right, So when we sin, we're spiritually dead. So when Adam, technically we were all spiritually dead. When we were born, we were born into sin. And then Jesus came along and he, he conquered death. He resurrected. So in Christ, we are resurrected. Right? And so he is the first fruits of that. And so, yeah, <laughs> sorry. I'm trying to keep up with my notes here. So, uh, so mankind was made in the image of God and then lost the image after Adam sinned. So when you think about um, the fig tree, we see Jesus curse in Mark eleven twelve. It had no fruit, so we cut it down. And a life in darkness, a life in sin, is something that had to be cut down so Jesus could be planted in our hearts so that we may carry on the fruit of his work. And so if you think about it, when Jesus saw the fig tree, it had no figs, right? It was like a fake, it was almost like a, a useless tree. There was no good there. There was no fruit. And obviously James talks a lot about the fruit, our works, things of that nature, and representation. And the fig tree is a representation of Israel and how, you know, there were Israelites, there were, there were Jews that were not representing the Father. They were not living by the, the word, the law of God. But it also is a representation of, I believe, Christians as well. When we don't have the fruit of the Spirit showing in our life, it's like Jesus has to prune those areas. He has to cut those branches and, and, and try to prune us so that the fruit will grow in there. And so, as the first seed, when Jesus was, was kind of planted, right? He, he died, he resurrected and came out. So whenever we die, we resurrect as well, just as Christ. And this is uh, this is also a representation of a physical resurrection because it says, and we're not going to dive into like end times, but it talks about there being a resurrection of the dead, like actually the dead. I don't know how that's going to look, but there is a physical resurrection of the dead when Jesus comes back. And so that's something to 
think about, and it actually happened, uh, it talks about that when Jesus rose from the, the grave. So I'm not going to dive into all that right now, but there's, uh, there's several things that we can tie this scripture to of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The other thing too is, is we're, we're kind of identified as a new creature, right? New creatures in Christ. So it's not like Jesus came to restore us to our old man. He came to, to make us brand new, like a new type of a creature. And so we're not, because we don't want to go back to our old self, right? We don't want to go back to our old sinful nature. We want to be made new. So, so, and by saying brothers and sisters here in Verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, and some translation says sisters. He James is reiterating their unity in Christ, and that if they identify as believers, they should listen and apply this next statements or these next statements. So, you know, there's several times in, in this book where James is saying brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, and this is brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Because there are no brothers and sisters in the law. So a lot of people think James was really hardcore on following the law of God to be made right with God. And we'll find out later that's not the case because he keeps saying brothers and sisters and that is a, a in Christ type of a thing. Now generally we have verse uh, 19 reversed in our lives. So verse 19, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So we usually kind of are backwards in that, right? So we like to share our thoughts first. Like usually when we jump into a conversation, we want to be the first to speak. We want to be the first ones to give our thoughts, our opinions, and just to go ahead and get it out there, right? Because we feel like we're right a lot of times. So we like to give our words first, and then we wait for others to respond to it. It's almost like, you see that I'm right, say that I'm right, and let's move on, you know? So then if they disagree, we get angry. Now, the best way to learn is to listen. So I know one of the things I've noticed, and I uh, just kind of give him a shout out. So Sean Grant, he's the, uh, the CEO, president of Trackstars, which is uh, another company I work with. He, usually when we have staff calls, he is usually the, the quietest person on the call. Right, he's listening to everybody because we're talking about topics and ideas, and we're diving into theology, social issues, all those kind of things. He's usually the very last one to speak because he's listening to what everybody else is saying. Then he carefully formulates his thoughts, and then when everybody's done talking, he'll share his thoughts. And I feel like that's such a good, just a good thing to do. Like unless you're in a classroom with a teacher, if you're just in like a group setting. Usually the wisest people are the quietest people. And so whenever I'm talking a lot in a group, I tend to think to myself sometimes, maybe I should just be quiet and listen to what other people say because we can learn from others. And if we're talking all the time, it's hard to learn. And if you think about it, you know, it's true with our parents, with our teachers, and most importantly to Jesus. So when we study the word of God, we must listen to what is being said before we say anything in regards to what it may be talking about. So, and this is why I think it's very important to know the Bible, to read the Bible, to read what God says about issues in the world. That way, instead of getting to the issue, 
having our own feelings that may come from a sinful place that may be uh, given to us by the world, we can apply God's truth to it first instead of us applying our truth to it and then getting upset whenever God says something otherwise. This is something we have to make sure that we're doing. And if we uh, if we start speaking on something first, we may read things into the truth of God instead of actually pulling out what he meant. So when we're looking at scripture, when we're looking at the Bible, and we open it up and we go into it with the thought process, and this is what we call eisegete, I think I'm saying that right, eisegesis, right? That's where you, you take a preconceived notion of an idea, of a topic, and when you're reading the Bible, you're trying to fit that idea into the text. And this is dangerous because then we're missing out on the full truth of the text of Scripture. And so that kind of goes along with being slow to speak. So being slow to apply your thoughts to it first and listen to what God says about it. Another reason why it's important is we need to get as much information about something before we speak on it. And so looking at Proverbs 18, 17, we see the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Let me move this camera a little bit. So when you think about that, usually the first one that speaks is going to sound okay until there's another person coming and asking questions. And so a good judge of a situation will always hear every side before speaking his mind on it or her mind on it uh, on how to rightfully judge the situation. And again, I think this is the brilliant of good leadership. Like you're looking at all, everything. A good leader will always listen to everybody's thoughts, everybody's opinions, everybody's input before they make a decision, before they, they share their thoughts. And I think that's extremely important. Because you're learning from other people. Even though you might be the leader, you can still learn from other people and get their opinions and their perceptions and things like that. And once we, we, we the cross-examination happens and we're, we're hearing all sides of the story, that allows us to make better decisions. And we also need to be careful in the things that we say. So in Proverbs 18.21, let's go there. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So, everything that we say, I'm not going to dive into uh, <laughs> these speaking things into existence necessarily. But I will say that every word we speak should have a positive impact in one way or another. So, even if the words we speak are disciplinary, they are doing good. Right, as long as they're not verbally abusive. And so everything we say needs to have some type of a building up of edification, uh, something that's useful and can help build the body. And Paul said in Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as it is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So... Everything we say in one way or another should have a form of building up. So, and I think when we're slow to speak, we're quick to listen, we're quicker to think about the things that we're going to say, and hopefully we can think, okay, what does the Bible say about this issue? 
let me speak biblical truth upon the matter. And I think that's something we all could probably do a little bit better. Now, the word anger is translated from the word wrath in the Greek. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce it or, or say it because I'm not a Greek scholar. Uh, this has been a sense of action. Um, or it has a sense of action being a result of it. So we must be slow to respond to a situation based on our emotions. And a lot of the time, our anger can come out of a place of sin. So we might get angry because someone hurt our pride. I think a lot of times when someone disagrees with us, we get angry and upset. And our pride uh, tends to make us feel that way. And usually the, the way we respond in that case is more of an unrighteous anger. So every response that we give to anything should have some type of uh, root. It should be rooted and grounded in love, right? And because that's how, like, even God, when he, when he, when he disciplines, he disciplines out of love. God justifies through love and care. So we may get angry at human trafficking because of our love for people and because they're made in the image of God. And so, but we're not going to go and try to, you know, kill anybody necessarily. We want to take uh, righteous action and look for justice and because of our, our love for those individuals, not just for the hatred of the people doing it. And so when we love the people that are, that are being um, oppressed, that are being, you know, done wrong when we have love for them or respond in a better beneficial way to them rather than just out of anger of those who were doing bad things. And I think that that'll help us make a little bit better decisions. Not that we shouldn't be angry at the bad things, but I think whenever we're thinking about the, the love we have for people and, and respond to that in the best way, rather than just the hate that we have for the offenders, because Jesus loves even the offenders I know it's hard for us to grasp that, but it's true because we're all offenders. Every single one of us are offenders. So, and when Jesus was angry, you know, he did kick over tables in the temple, but it was because of his love for the father and his house. So he wasn't just throwing a childish fit, but he was attacking the materials where sin was taking place. Like he kicked over the money changers tables. He didn't just go in there and just start ripping the walls down and all this, that, and the other. Instead, he flipped over the tables because that's where the exchange was happening. So he was trying to quit that activity. He wasn't just going in there and throwing a fit. You know, some people might misconstrue that and think he just got angry and started going crazy. Yes, he got angry, but he responded in, uh, in what obviously is a proper way. So we need to get rid of all filth and evil from our lives so it doesn't show up in our responses to action. So this doesn't mean just stop sinning. It means removing any evil influences that may entangle itself into our soul, our psyche. And uh, we, when we accept the Word of God has placed on our heart, then we'll respond, uh, we'll respond to life in alignment with His truth. And so in Romans 2.15, we see Paul say, They show that the work of law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness in their conflicting thoughts, accuse or even excuse them. So when we have God's law written on our hearts, when we have his ways written in our hearts, the way we respond to things, when we finally do respond, we should be slow to respond uh, or slow to you know, verbalize our response, is it will come from 
God's law, which is written on our hearts. And you got to remember, he's talking to a New Testament church. And so we should, we do have God's law written in our hearts because there's a moral law. There's the Levitical law. There's, there's different laws that were given, but either way we have God's ways on our hearts. And the more we read, the more it's imprinted even deeper into our hearts. And so, but, uh, his truth in ways, it, it saves our souls. It saves our, our way of thinking. It saves, it, it keeps us for aligning ourselves with everything that the world does in, uh, in any sinful kind of a way. And it allows us to respond to situations in truth. And I think that's kind of the, the key thing is be slow to speak, slow to anger, uh, quick to listen. Because the, the, the more we listen, the less we're talking, right? Then we can think about how we respond to situations. And so, and hopefully we respond to any situation in a, a biblical way, in a Christ-like way. And that's our goal, right? Our goal is to uh, be Christ-like. And we pray. Hopefully you're praying that the Holy Spirit will give that to you. And, and when you read scripture, when you read the Bible, you see the way Jesus maneuvered things, the way Paul did, the way Peter did in, in the godly senses. Then we can learn and respond likewise. So hopefully that was helpful. Um, I hope I didn't beat around too many bushes or, or leave things out or confuse anybody. If you have any questions, please put them in the comments. I'll be glad to answer those. If it's a long enough response, I'll make a video to answer it. If not, I might just respond in the comments. And if you have any other kind of questions for me, like Q&A type of stuff, I will answer those if you post them in the comments or you can message me personally and I will look up the information, I will research it, and I will put it here uh, on YouTube in video format so it would be available for anybody and everybody. And I won't personalize it necessarily for like your name or anything if you don't want me to. Uh, I try to be honorable in that and... Um, you know, I guess like HIPAA, you know, a sense of uh, not sharing people's personal information. So, so glad you were able to check this out. Uh, I'll be back next week with another video. I think this is part six, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll be going on to part seven next week. And yeah, look forward to seeing you then. Uh, Monday, I'll have my weekly devotional ups. You can check that out every Monday is what I'm planning on doing. And that's my goal. So I love all of you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great and blessed week.